Okay, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let's get into this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you did nothing. Tell somebody else. Tell them, you did nothing. Then you may be seated. You didn't do a thing. When I was growing up, my mom used to always, always tell me, I guess I would argue with her a lot, and as we would argue, towards the end of the argument, she would always tell me, why do you always have to be right? I guess it must be in my genes because now it sounds like my wife. Why do you always have to be right? And I'm going to be honest, I'm, you know, God's working on me, Amen. I'm a pastor, but in there, there's no such thing in the Webster's Dictionary as perfect. Amen. Pastor does not mean perfect. just means shepherd. And, uh, you know, one thing that I, I've learned that a lot of times I'm not always right. And one thing I have found is that even many times within the church, the church has somehow, some way formed an identity to always want to be right. Somehow, some way, we think that if we come to church, we're Right. I have to be right. I come to church. I have to be right. I show up to Victory Outreach. I have to be right. And if we would just get this understanding within our lives that, listen, we don't always have to be right to have God in our lives. We don't always have to be right to have Christ on our side. All you have to do is just be able to accept the fact that he loves you and he died for you. I know some of you came here this morning, you got invited by a friend, and they just said, well, I'll just go to church just to, uh, uh, just to appease my friend, get him off my back. Well, I want you to know something here this morning. God loves you whether you come to church or not. There is nothing that you can ever do to obtain God's love. He did it for you no matter what. You don't always have to be right. And listen, if we as the church can actually get rid of that identity, that fingerprint of always wanting to be right, my friend, I'm telling you, you're going to have a lot less burdens on your shoulder. You're going to have a lot less judgment on you all the time trying to figure, well, no, it has to be like this. It must be like that. No, my friend, all you have to understand is that Jesus died for you and he loves you. That's it. You did nothing. How many Golden State Warrior fans do we have here? Any? Uh, all right, we got a few Warrior fans. All right. Any uh, uh, Miami Heat fans? Any Miami Heat? I think I just cussed in church or something right now. My God. Any Laker fans? What? Wow. That's a lot of Laker fans up in here. In the Bay Area, well, well, it's okay. Maybe I might start switching over. Now the Golden State Warriors are winning. And so, you know, you know, when people win, things happen. All right, I'd like to get on that. On the Golden State Warriors team, there's a guy named Stephen Curry. That boy is bad. And I want you to know something for those who may not understand basketball. Stephen Curry, he's actually very short. He's only like, I think, 5'11". 5'11", which is actually fairly short for the NBA. They got guys seven feet tall. I mean, 6'11", these guys are huge. Stephen Curry, short man. So, but this guy, he can shoot the lights out of the building. That's what they call it. I mean, he just, whoom, 
boom, last year he broke the three-point record. He could just shoot. He could just shoot. Now, is there anybody here that you think you can shoot like Stephen Curry? You think you got skills. Did you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. I don't even think you can hold a basketball. You're so tiny. Who thinks, okay, well, maybe not like Stephen Curry, but you say, you know what? If there was a basketball hoop and a basketball right now, I could make the shot. Who thinks they could do it right now? You could, you could do it. Okay, he raised his hand right, right there in the, in the vest. Yeah, come, come on up here. Come on, Diamond. Get, get on up here. All right, give, give him a hand as he makes his way. Come on up here right now. Come, come on up here. Come on, Mr. Smooth. Come on now. He's smooth right here. You're nervous, huh? I know you are because I shook your hand and your hand is sweating. <laughs> now you know what I go through every Sunday. Amen. I got a hoop right here. Where's the basketball? Give me a basketball. Give me a basketball. Come on up here. Come on, Jose. I'll take that. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Now, Harlem Globetrotters over here. All right. I got a little bit of skill. I wish I could like, you ever wish like you could spin the ball right on your finger? Like, yeah. All right. Your wish is my command. All right. There it is. Okay. We have this right here. Now, do you think you could make that shot from right here that you got skills? You think you can do it? Possibly. When Stephen Curry was in fifth grade, do you think he was thinking possibly? No. He said, I can do it. So I want you to know right now, in the words of an Adam Sandler movie, you can do it. You got it right there. How many think that my man can do it right here? How many think he could do it right here? And now before you do it, let's get a little biography. So uh, how old are you? 13. 13 years old. What's your name? Diamond. Where are you from, Diamond? Oakland. Oaktown. Just a little NBA fact for you. The most professional basketball players have come out of one city, Oakland, California. You're welcome. All right, there you go. It's true. It's actually very true. Look it up. Find Google. Google anything. You can find it. Okay, it's true. So maybe a future NBA. All right, here we go. So I think you can do it. I think you could do it right there. Okay? All right. On the count of three, go for it right there. That shot is all you. Okay, ready? Here we go. You guys think you could do it? You could do it? Okay, ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Three. That's okay. Well, one, more, one more try. Give him, a, give him another try. Give, give it to Jose right there. He thinks it's a soccer ball, but that's okay, Jose. <laughs> I know football? No. Okay. All right. Here we go. One more try. I think you could do it. Just launch it. I think it, There you go. Scoot it up. There you go. Launch it. I think you could do it. How many think you could do it? How many think you could do it? Okay, here we go, here we go. Just launch that thing. Come on, Diamond. Ready? One, two, three. Give him a hand. Come on up here, Diamond. Give him a hand. Come on up here, Diamond. All right, here you go. Here's 50 bucks. That's for you right there. Go ahead. Make your way down. There you go. God bless you. All right, give him a hand as he makes his way. You can take the hoop now. You can get it down. All right. Now, that, that's 50 bucks, right? That's not fake. It's, it's real, right? Okay. 
One turn only, sister. That's how it works. Before Diamond even came up here, I had determined I was going to give him 50 bucks. Whether he made it or whether he didn't. Had nothing to do with the shot. And let's be quite honest, I knew he was going to miss. And let's be very honest, you knew he was going to miss. <laughs> right? Now, some of you thought, well, he can make it, he can make it. But even when he came up here, I didn't tell him I was going to give him anything. I didn't say that. I didn't say, if you do this, I will give you this. I just said, come up here. That was it. See, he didn't have to do anything, but he did. But even if he didn't, I still would have gave him 50 bucks. So you need to understand something about God's love. God's love is whether you make it or whether you don't. You can shoot as many shots as you want. You can work as long as you want. You can come to church as many times as you want. God still loves you doesn't change his love. It's still the same. Matter of fact, the Bible says, while you were in your seat, while you were a sinner, while you did not, while you were just soaking in your self-righteousness, while you were in your sin, in your filth, God still loved you. Still loved you, no, no matter what. So even for those of you that were deciding about coming to church, man, well, if I go, come to church, God will love me more. If I don't come to church, then God won't love me. No, you need to know something. Church or no church, God loves you. That's it. You didn't do anything. Tell your neighbor, you did nothing. And Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us that. It gives us these three things right here that it tells us about God's love for us, Christ died for us, and also our, st our sinful state while he died for us. See, a lot of times we tend to think that if I get my life right, then God will love me. If I do things right, God will love me. Can, can you imagine if the scripture said, for God so loved the world that he waited for you to get right, then he would send his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he waited for you to put a suit and tie on. For God so loved the world that he waited for you to go to church. Then he would send his son. He said, no. For God so loved the world that he just said, I'm going to give it. And you did nothing. You didn't do a thing. Yet God still, I mean, think about that. Let that sink in for just a moment about how powerful God's love is for you. That there's nothing that you can do to obtain his love. While we were sinners, the Bible says, he sent his son and died just for us. Even Romans chapter 3 verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and followed short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us. Every single one of us. There was none of us that could have done anything to obtain the righteousness and the love of God. The love of God, listen to me, this is key. The love of God is not just for good people. Oh, I thank God for that. I mean, that's a perfect time to say amen right there. The love of God is not just for good people. It's for all of us. Let me ask you a question. When did God start loving you? Was it when you surrendered your life to Christ? Or when you raised your hand and went forward at a church service? 
Or was it when you said the sinner's prayer? Did God say at that very moment, oh, isn't that sweet? I'm going to love him now. No, he wasn't waiting for you to say a sinner's prayer. God loved you even before you said the sinner's prayer. God loved you before, and guess what? He's still going to love you after. God loves you. Before you and I begin to move on and walk on with our lives, we need to understand that God died for us even while we were sinners, even the ungodly. He died for us. Because Jesus died for sinners, we have nothing to boast about in and of ourselves. Many people say, well, the Lord died for me because he saw how I was doing my best. He knew I was trying really hard. God knew I had potential. No, my friend. Christ died to save us, not in our sins, but from our sins. God loved us even then. He loved us then and he even loves us now. This applies to us uh, even to our present and our future. Though we may be Christians saved by grace, we still fall short. Even in Romans chapter 3, verses 3, it talks about the unbelief, the sin of unbelief. But even this unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God. You cannot make God stop loving you. When I was... Young, I was probably about nine years old. I have two sisters, and my youngest, she was about four years old. And I remember my sister went through this phase. Don't tell her about it, but you can if you want. She was about four years old. I was about nine. And my sister, Valentina, she went through this phase of nobody loves me. She would just do that every time we get in the car. Because we'd get in the car, and she'd go, I want to sit in the front. And, of course, being the big brother that I am, get in the back. And she'd get in the back. Nobody loves me. And then I remember my mom or my dad, whoever was driving us, go, Val, we, we love you. No, you don't. You won't let me sit in the front. We'd go to the restaurant, to McDonald's. She'd go, I want McNuggets. And my dad would go, okay, you're going to get fries. <laughs> you don't love me. We'd pass by a park. We'd be driving. Val would go, I want to go to the park. My dad would go, no, we can't go to the park. <laughs> you don't love me. For every little thing, you don't love me because you didn't do this for me. You need to know something. Christ loved you even in your sinful state. No matter what. See, each and every one of us, we go through this thing within our lives that we figure God must do something for me in order for him to show his love for me. Listen, you need to know something. While you were a sinner, he showed his love. While you were in your self-righteousness, your pity, your depression, your oppression, wherever you were at, Christ showed his love by dying for you. He died for you. He died for me. That's how he showed, that was the demonstration of his love. Now look with me here in Romans chapter 5. This is just an awesome, awesome understanding for us to, to get this. I want to read actually from verse 1, and then we're going to be done. I'm not taking long at all. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, I, I love reading this. Just read it with me if you can. Uh, look with me here. I don't know if they have it on the screen, but you can read it. 
It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I love that verse. Not only so, but we also rejoice, look at this, in our sufferings. Even when you miss the shot, yay! Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Mm. Character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, ju at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? See, it's very important for you and I to understand that Christians are not morally superior to non-Christians. It's easy to think of believers as the good people, but I want you to know something. That's not the case at all. In fact, it's because I myself am so morally bankrupt that I am even considering myself to be saved as a Christian. My failures have shown me that I am in need of a Savior. When I was growing up, there was a song that we always used to sing, and we're probably going to be singing it even real soon in this holiday season. And in the song, the lyric says, He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You better not, right? And so a lot of times we tend to put Christ in the gift-giving category like Jesus. And so we think, okay, I better not shout, I better not do this, I better not drink, I better not go here, I better not go there, I better not do this, I better not, better, 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 better. And so we have all these things of I better not, so that way I can be good for goodness sake. And I want you to know something. It doesn't matter. You can never do anything. Jesus is not Santa Claus. He loves you no matter what. So I know that you may have in your mind, oh, I must be good for goodness sake. No, you don't have to be good for goodness sake. He is good for your sake. That's it. That is it. There's nothing more. Well, well do I have to do something? No. Well, well, do I have to do the penance? Do I have to do the cross? No. Well, do I have to wear a suit? Do I have to? No. Well do, well, do I have to make sure I have the, do I have the Bible? Do I have to clean it off? No. He's good for your sake. That's it. You did, you didn't do anything. See, a lot of times we come into church and we always try to be right. Well, if I do this or if this happens or I go like this, if it goes like, if I stand up, no, you don't have to do anything. God loves you just the way you are. The way I am? Yeah, just the way. The, yeah, but I, I'm not perfect. I have, exactly. Oh, but, oh, but what about, exactly. Well, how about if I, no. Exactly. You don't have to do a thing. You did nothing. Tell your neighbor next to you, say, you don't have to do a thing. 
as he comes to the piano, I want you to know something here this morning. One of the greatest stories that I ever read that talks about actually a man being so messed up yet receiving the grace of God, and I love so much, is in the Bible in Luke chapter 15. We call it the prodigal son. And I love that story so much because in this story, there's a father who has a son, and the son takes his inheritance, his belonging, oh, it's mine, and he takes off with it, and he runs off, and the Bible says that he actually squanders it. He takes everything that he figures, well, this is mine. It's my life. I could do what I want to. I could do whatever I want. Can't nobody tell me what to do, right? And isn't that kind of the life that we live for a while? We live like that. Well, I could do what I want. Can't nobody tell me to stop drinking. I could drink whatever I want. I could put as many stuff, stuff all over my body. I could pierce this. I could do this. I could do whatever I want. I don't care what anybody says. I'm a rebel. I could do whatever I want. Right? And so we have that mentality. I know when I was growing up, I had that mentality. I can go to whatever party I want to. I can talk to who I want to. Can't nobody tell me what I can do. Do whatever I want to. And then I found out as I did what I wanted to, consequences came. And of course, every young person and old person come up with the same thing. Well, that's not fair. Well, you can do what you want to. Well, who does she? She doesn't know who she's messing with, man. Watch. Man, if, she, if I see her face to face, well, yeah, you could, but don't get mad when your face gets messed up. Oh, she don't know me like that. Well, exactly. You don't know her like that either. Do what I want to. I can do whatever I want to whoever I want, whatever, however I want. I don't care. Even sometimes when we're driving a car, we're like, hey, get out of my way. This is my, this is my road. I paved this road. No, you didn't. You didn't pave a thing. You didn't build the car. You didn't pave the road. Matter of fact, even for some of us, I don't even know if we know how to drive properly sometimes. I could drive. I could do what I want. It's my car. It's my, it's my life. I could do whatever I want to. So that's what happened with the prodigal son. It's mine. It's mine. I can do what I want to. I can go. And, and guess what? There's truth to that. You can do. It's your life. Do whatever you want. Do exactly whatever you want. But. I could just tell you the effects of drinking every single day. Tell your liver you could do whatever you want to. Now, remember, you can do whatever you want. I could smoke. And, see, and listen, I, I get it. I, I had somebody the other day. I was in line at the grocery store, and he was trying to buy a pack of cigarettes. And, and the lady, she didn't have the key to the drawer. So they're looking all over for the key, and I'm waiting. I'm right here in line, and she's like, man, I want cigarettes. And so I, I told him, I just looked at him, I go, well, I guess today you're not supposed to buy cigarettes. And he looked at me, he goes, oh, they're not for me. They're, you know, they're for my dad. He's, he's 85. Just got to give him whatever he wants. And I go, well, maybe he's not supposed to be smoking. He goes, yeah, but he's already old. He can do whatever he wants. That was the mentality. Right? And a lot of times that's how we think. Well, I'm older already. doesn't even matter. Just let me do what I want. Okay. That's fine. You can do what you want. But for those that say, you know what? I'm tired of doing these things the way that I want. It's messing me up. I'm going nowhere. Bible says the prodigal son in his filth, in the mud, 
he came to this, if you will, epiphany of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What is going on here? Now, for us Christians, we know that was the Spirit of the Lord just speaking. Even here this morning, you're feeling a tugging right now. That's something hitting you. It's not an epiphany or a philosophy or, oh, that's a good way of thinking. No, it's the Spirit of God. And He's touching you and He's saying, look, you can do what you want. But I want you to know something. The Bible says the prodigal son, the father, stood at the doorway. And when he was afar off, the Bible says, he saw him and he ran to him, opened his arms, hugged him. Then he said this. He said, get a party ready because my son who was dead is now alive. See, some of you right now, you're moving and you're walking. But really, it's almost like you're the walking dead. You're moving, you're doing things, you're... But you're just a walking dead. You're kind of what we call sleepwalking. Just going through life. Figuring, as long as I do this, as long as I be a good person, God says, no, no, look, I'm waiting for you to come, and I want to receive you. You might be dead in your sins, but look at my son who was dead, he's now alive. So you have the opportunity here this morning, right here, right now, to experience that love that died for you while you were in your sin, while you were in the mud, while you were in the muck, while you were in the field, while you thought, well, I could just do it my way. And God will never accept me back because look at after all this stuff I've done, after all the messed up, uh, after all this filth, after everything that I did against him, after everything that I said that he doesn't even exist, I don't even believe in God. I don't, God will never love me. God will never accept me. The prodigal son's father stood up and he opened his arms and he ran after him he said look you don't even know before you even took that shot I was waiting for you before you even came to church God was waiting for you before you even thought about waking up this morning God had a plan for you God's love was so powerful that he was waiting for you right here, right now. Saying, my son, my daughter, who was dead, is now alive again. I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. Oh, man, I'm going to get all the angels in heaven. And we're going to rejoice together. Because they're accepting my love. The love. It's always been there. While you were a sinner, he died for you. While you were messed up, doing your own thing, he died for you. Even for those of you that you're, you're a believer, you come to church, but even throughout the week, you come to church on Sunday, but you know that throughout the week, uh, God still loves you. But I messed up. I don't know. God still loves you. It doesn't change. It doesn't change a thing. He still loves you. I'm going to end with this. God's love is not a McDonald's menu. You can't pick a number one or a number two or, ooh, can I take a number three? Because if I get a number three, when I go throughout the week, I can still mess up. And then he'll love me back again. No, God's love is always number one. That's it. There is no up and down. It's always number one. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. You did nothing. And you don't have to. I preach a message like this even to remind Christians sometimes. They're going to remind us. 
we tend to think, oh, if I do more for the church, I do more for the church. Actually, no. Actually, no. There's nothing you could do. God loves you. Even if you were to just sit there, do nothing. Now, as you grow in your relationship, you don't want to sit there. Right? Can you imagine wives? Say, I love my husband. And just have him sit there on the couch the whole day. Eventually, your love would be like, That's true. That's good. I love you, but you're testing my patience. Well, I preach or I do things or I cut down trees, whatever it might be. I clean up the sidewalk because I love him. That's it. I don't do it to show you I love the church more or I do this. No, no, no. It has nothing to do. I'm, I'm thankful you're here, but I just want you to know something. My love for him, for him is not connected to you. It's not. I love you, but it's not connected. Now, but because I love him, I love you. That's it. That's how it works. Works just like that. It's the same. It's the same. Now, just for the for those of you that are Christian, real quick, I, I want to want to just say this. We tend to think love God, love people. They're separate things. They're not separate. It's the same thing. If you love God, you love people. It's the same thing. Don't think, oh, I'm going to love God, but I can't love this. Well, then you don't love God. Don't, don't do that. Don't say that. Be careful. Be careful. you got to love people no matter what. Because I love him no matter what. we got to get back to this thing called unconditional love. Unconditional. Without reservations. He loves you without reservations. He loves you no matter what. You did nothing. And you don't have to. His arms are open, waiting for you and me. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands with me here this morning if you can. I believe the Spirit of God is here in this place. The Spirit of God is here in this place. He wants to touch and minister to many of us here this morning. And we're going to make a call out in just a little bit. Can we sing that song? He loves us. Yes, he does. The Spirit of God is moving and ministering in just a little bit. I'm going to make a call out right now, but I want to sing this song. Because he is jealous of me. Loves like a hurricane. Loves like a hurricane. I am ashamed. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior look I don't know how you got here I don't know if you were walking by somebody knocked on your door a friend of yours brought you you've heard of church you've thought about church I'm here this morning to convince you to go beyond church 
and come to the arms open of Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. He's madly in love with you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Even though you might have felt that you went wayward, you might have felt like you've even uh, disrespected and even dishonored God, I want you to know something. He still loves you no matter what. It's not about the drinking. It's not about the smoking. It's not about the non-attendance of a service. I want you to know something, my friend. God loves you no matter what you did, no matter what you've done. He loves you. 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 Yes, he loves you, atheist. Yes, he loves you, homosexual. Yes, he loves you, not believing, believing sometimes, off and on again. He loves you, military. He loves you, my son. He loves you, my daughter. He loves you, for those of you that have had suicidal thoughts. He loves you no matter what. God loves you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody here.